What's up, everybody? We are back, Pardon Podcast. Uh, we are live on YouTube as well, or at least I think we are. Um, <laughs> yes, we are. All right, we are live on YouTube. It's there, so you can follow along there, comment, like. We didn't really send it out because we're just kind of trying this out this time around. So we didn't send out a, uh, a warning or a countdown. So if you just happen to find us, we can still interact with you um, or anything like that. But we've made it to 10 episodes. We've been doing this for 10 weeks. If you would have told me that we would have gotten to 10 episodes a year ago, I would have probably laughed at your face. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we're still 10 more episodes than the Turn podcast, which you may have heard of. Oh, wait, probably not because they don't have any episodes out. So we're still on pace <laughs> to beat them for the year as far as episode count goes. But it's a big deal for us to be at 10 episodes. I know a lot of people, that's nothing but for us. Just what we're trying to do. We're excited about it. Double digits. It's like you said, it's kind of an anniversary for us a little bit. So it just feels good to kind of get to that number. I don't know why. Just because maybe it churns from a single digit to double digits. We'll never have to be in the single digits ever again. And so, you know, at least we got to 10. If nothing else, we got to 10 episodes, which I feel like is a big deal. Um, Long ways to go before we get to triple digits. But it's an accomplishment, I feel like. And I'm pretty excited about it. For sure, yeah. And make sure everybody, we've said it, we're going to say it at the beginning, beginning of every single episode. If you're watching this right now, please subscribe, like, share, comment. We're on every platform, Apple um, or iTunes. Why did I say Apple? iTunes, we are on Amazon. Apple. Spotify. Yeah. Um, please like, please share, leave comments, leave reviews. It's the only way that we can really grow and get noticed outside of our you know, family members that we forced to watch this because we need their support. Yeah. <laughs> so, true. so yeah all right cool are we yeah. we're done with the intros then right, all right yeah awesome. i mean well masters yeah that's okay. yeah just jumping right into it what a masters uh what a masters. scary if you're team pga tour it was phenomenal there's so much to unpack here it is yeah Oh, it's, it's it's all good and all bad. Well, one thing I do have to make note of right out the gate is another win for Paradigm. Paradigm <laughs> dominated Augusta, Rosang and John Rahm. Undisputed champion in golf right now. The numbers are insane across the LPGA Tour, the Corn Ferry Tour, the DP World Tour. It is, I'm, and this is beyond brand bias because everyone knows like, oh, I'm Mr. Callaway. I love Callaway and I do. This is unheard of. There's it is. I can't remember the last time a driver or a new line of clubs dominated so much on the PGA tour or any tour for that matter. And not only that, I don't know, Ryan, if you've got any feedback from your leads that have bought the paradigm driver or woods or the irons, it has been off the charts. Good. Like not a single complaint about them. They are all, they are just too good. So if you're not already playing paradigm, you know we both work at Curate. We're both online uh, online fitters. Hit us up. We will fit you for one. It is worth it. I don't I don't agree with that driver should be $600 plus right now. But if there's any driver that's ever been worth it, it is the Paradigm driver. It is just beyond good. I even went with the standard head myself. I have a, like 118 swing speed. I hit the ball long. I just went to the standard head alone. I lofted it up to 11 degrees. Mm-hmm. And I'm hitting just bombs with it yeah. it is just stupid good so yeah. we can build it any way you want i love high launch low spin so don't be afraid to jack up the loft on a little bit to find that window 
and let's get a good low spinning shaft in there and just boom, just hit some bombs with it. It is so straight. The downward dispersion is fantastic. The hybrid is just dirty. Oh my God, it should be illegal. It's like a fairway wood. It's just disturbingly good. So um, yeah, play Callaway yeah. Paradigm. No, I think from us yeah, specifically. I, I agree for sure. I mean, I think like my customers are extremely happy with it. Uh, I haven't had a single person return a paradigm item from driver down to anything yet. And so, uh, you know, the numbers speak for itself. I know we're a little biased, you know, I mean, I don't know how many of our listeners know this, but you know, like part-time when I'm not doing curated, I do do some fitting stuff for Callaway as well. Um, but I also have no problem, you know, when a club doesn't work. And I've said this multiple times, like I was not a huge fan of the Rogue ST line. I thought it fell a little flat. I thought it was a little spinny. I didn't think the distance was there. And I think what they learned from that personally is they revamped and went paradigm and it blew out of the water. It's the top if, you know, it's, it's, it's in a conversation for top two drivers slash woods of the year. And if not the winner, you know what I mean? I mean, we all know the Titleist is good this year, um, but it's certainly not, you know, for as much hype as Titleist gets for being the number one club on tour or more people are playing Titleist than anybody else. You hear that a lot. They're sure not winning at the clip that Paradigm is winning. Now, is all of that Paradigm? No, but uh, the driver is a huge factor. It is longer it is and the biggest thing about it is it is tighter dispersion wise and that makes a huge difference when you're in the fairway you shoot lower scores it's just a fact it's a stat like look it up i know there's going to be some person who's like well that's not true i make a lot of birdies out of the rough and you can for sure but statistically speaking you're going to be a better golfer if you play from the fairway um and so that's what paradigm does so yeah i mean it's just a great in the fairway wood and the hybrid, if say the drivers having an off day are just as long right. or longer than any other fairway wood and tighter than any other fairway wood or hybrid on the market right now. Right. I mean, because I was playing golf about a week ago and it was really windy and there's some holes out there where you really don't want to hit driver. I pulled out that hybrid and just, I roped that thing almost 280. I mean, it was stupid. There's a couple of shots I hit with it. I'm like, I don't even know why I'm hitting driver. Like it didn't, doesn't make sense. Unless you're playing a course that's like 7,200 yards, there's really no need to pull it out of the bag. Like, it's it's scary good. It's Yeah. Um, it, you're leaving strokes out on the golf course by with your brand bias. If you're like, oh, I don't like Callaway. Oh, well, fine. Then you yeah. lose money to your buddies that have Paradigm, and you can sleep with that at night. So Right. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And, you know, I mean, again, we weren't even planning to get on off on, on this tangent again. And, you know, I mean, like, yeah, it's just the it's just the best. I've I've never played all Callaway Woods in my life. I did play the original Rogue three wooden hybrid when they first came out. I thought that was a great line. Again, I'm not afraid to switch things up in the bag if if it's not working for me. And are there other models that you may be able to hit longer if you're a center face striker all the time? Sure. I mean, we've talked about this before, right? If you hit the stealth on the nuts every time, it goes pretty far. Not very many people are doing that outside of being, you know, a plus handicap or a professional golfer. So I, a lot of our talk is for golfers who are every day. And I think the paradigm hands down is the best overall driver this year, especially from what I've seen now from a fitting side in person, which I had never really experienced before, like just what people are gaining from older drivers that are being fit into the paradigm 
And I know that's easy for me to say when you work for a company, but I also don't make any kind of like commission or bonus for fitting people into Callaway. I just do it because I think it's the best club out there. So, um, yeah, I mean, team paradigm yeah, anybody, for the win, for sure. Anybody that gives that budget going, like, what's the budget for a drive? And they're like, no budget. I'm like, you have to play paradigm. Then there, yeah. it's just a no-brainer. It's an yeah. absolute no-brainer. Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah. 100%. And again, everybody's happy with it. I don't have a single return um, with it. And it's a phenomenal driver. Not the only option, but the best option in my, our opinion, for sure. Yes. No, hundred percent. And then if it dominated Augusta two times, like that is just amazing. That is just an unreal thing to do. Yeah. And speaking of dominating Augusta, congratulations to John Rahm getting your second major, the second leg of the grand slam on Seve's birthday on like the 40th anniversary of like his, one of his wins. What is it about Spaniards that like do that's when Sergio did it too. It's just a wild thing, man. Like it, it almost makes you think there has to be some omnipresent force up there, which by the way, I did find this out now that Spain is on their way to like the, like have the second most majors or something like that, or something or green jackets or something like that. Yeah. Like this, I, it, there is some stat I can't. Yeah. Second, like most European country or second, most non. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what it was. It was some, a little bit niche stat, but yeah, it was pretty impressive for sure. Um, you know, and I think the biggest thing is we've talked about this a little bit on the podcast. I think you talked about how I think it was on the podcast. I know I've talked to you about it, how you said, you know, like there are certain countries or players from countries that seem to have very similar games. And uh, oh, the, the Spaniards, Spaniards all seem to have a very similar game where they're, you know, they're very well rounded, first of all, but their short games are immaculate. Seve's short game was immaculate. Jose Maria's short game, especially out of the sand, was immaculate. And John Rahm's short game is immaculate. I mean, it's very, very good. And if there's a place where you need to have a short game, it's Augusta National. I mean, just Mm -hmm. you have to be able to chip. You have to be able to putt. You have to be able to leave balls on the right side of things. You have to be able to read a green like a mother there. And so, Mm -hmm. um, I mean, I don't think it's a surprise to me that they continue to get the job done there just because – their game seems to shape those kinds of courses where, yeah, you don't have to be a bomber to win there, but you do have to know what you're doing, you know, from 150, 130, 100 yards in, and then around a green. And that's why someone like Bryson will never, ever have a green jacket. I don't know if you've heard this stat. Ever since he called Augusta like a par 69, he hasn't made the cut once. Right. But it, it, it to be to have an amazing – if you look at anybody that's ever had a phenomenal short game in golf, they were creative and they had – feel they had feel it wasn't mechanical at all they'd hit bizarre i mean look at what spieth does around the green look what tiger did look what phil did or does i mean look at rom look at sergio i mean actually i think one of the most underrated people around the green personally not putting around the green is rory as well like no one talks about how good his chipping is and his bunker play is it takes a certain kind of feel like yeah there are mechanics involved but the shots that you practice on with your short game are rarely the ones that you come across on a golf course. You know what I mean? Those shots that are crucial, those tough shots, the ones that slope a lot, the ones that you have to, are you going to jam into the hill? Are you going to land on top of the hill? Are you going to run it up there? Are you going to one hop stop? Is he going to two check and stop? You know, there's this, there's so many different ways to hit the same shot. Right. And you have to have feel, you have to have an eye for it. You have to have creativity 
and you have it's all in the fingers you know what i mean like tigers has the highest iq hands in golf history you know what i mean is not something you can mechanically teach and i think that's something if you're out there and you're teaching your kids to play golf or you're just playing golf yourself don't be afraid to walk around that chipping green throwing golf balls in weird spots and there is no wrong answer the right answer is how are you going to get that ball as close to the hole as possible and whatever works for you like remember phil used to flop everything when no one else would flop it but he he was like he would see that and it would match his eye he's like i know for me that's the shot that's going to give me the best results you know what i mean so stump balls in the ground bury them in the bunker throw it in the rough give yourself tight lies do all kinds of weird stuff it's going to make you better because you're going to walk up to it and you're going to see a chip shot you go i can use a nine iron i could use a lob wedge or i could use a hybrid and then you start measuring things out like it's really cool to have those options on a golf course and just walking up they're like oh i'm around the green got to take out the 56 or 58 or 60 degree i'm gonna hit this shot it's not always going to be that shot it's not always going to be the best shot for you it's something i've recently been doing i've been taking nine irons and seven irons been using a gap wedge around the green and measuring out how far it checks and stuff like that it's a different game when you can pull four clubs out around the wedge around the green especially if say you're duffing your chips all day or you, you caught like a couple of them thin well now you know okay you know what fine lob wedges in the bag let me pull out the nine iron i'm gonna just start scooting them up there all day it's nice to know you can do that instead of going well now i'm pigeonholed and i'm screwed if i don't hit this green i am totally effed right now so just my two cents. <laughs> no, I, no, no, I don't. I mean, I think it's, I think it's brilliant. You know, I think that um, there's this ego thing in golf where, and I used to have it too. I used to be like, you know, you have to hit, I don't know where I got this from, but like from the round of the greens, I have to use my 60 degree wedge or I have to use a 58, you know, because that's, mm. you know, I have to be able to hit it high, land it soft, close to the hole. And my dad was always a really good short game player. And so was my grandpa. And they were always like, hey, you need to use, de-loft your club, get it on the ground and get it rolling. And, you know, like what's the least loft you can hit here while still being successful? Now there's some, you know, you have to hit over a bunker, not a lot of green to work with. Sure. You know, like let the shot dictate the club, not the other way around. Don't let the club dictate the shot. Let the shot dictate the club. Um, and it just took me a while to get over that because, you know, I thought I was bigger than, I don't know, better than I was. And we've talked a lot about, you know, we've talked on this podcast a ton about Tiger Woods or will there be another Tiger Woods or, and um, I don't think we'll see, I, I just kind of clicked for me as you were talking. I don't know if we've ever talked about this angle of it before. But I don't think we'll see another Tiger Woods unless golf shifts back to what you're talking about. You know, like golf right now is so analytical and so driven by distance and power and speed, which, again, there's nothing wrong with those things. Like, I know you're big into speed training. And if I ever, you know, like actually got my shit together, I would maybe do like get into good fitness as well. But I don't know how many people, how many kids you know, like when we were kids, we would go out there and our fun was I'm going to hit golf balls around my yard or I'm going to hit golf balls out at the park if I couldn't get to a golf course. Um, and then, like you said, like, I don't know how many kids nowadays are just dropping balls anywhere and trying to, you know, become a creative short game player. It's so like technical and drill driven and hey, I got to do my 50 bunker shots, then I got to do my 50 pitch shots, and then I got to hit the putting mirror, and then I got to get my chalk line, and then I got to, you know, whatever. And that's just not how it used to be done. And so while I think we are going to see, 
you know, very technically good golf swings and guys like Rory who can drive it 340 and you're just like astounded by the physics of that, um, which again, I don't think there's anything wrong with in honesty, but I don't know if you're going to see those field players like a Seve, like a Tiger, like a, you know, whoever, oh. Rom, yeah, even a Rom or, you know, um, because they just, that, that, that kind of player doesn't exist anymore because that kind of creativity and like free training doesn't exist anymore. You just don't go out and learn the game by playing it. Every, you know, so many kids now have a coach or a specific, like I have to go to my speed, I have to go to my speed coach. I have to go to my swing coach. I have to go to my putting coach. We have the same thing in baseball, right? Like I have to go to my hitting coach. Then I have my pitching coach. Then I have my infield coach. I have my mental game coach. It's just like, those are all great. And there's a place for them, I think for sure. And I think we leave stuff on the table at times when we don't use people like that. But at the same time, you really limit creativity and freedom. And like you're saying, just get it in the hole. Like, how are you going to get it in the hole? How can, you know, like breaking free of some of those molds can help. And I just think we sometimes err too far on one side of that spectrum. And and we we a lot of times get away from that. So I just don't see another tiger type player because there's just nobody who's like, I'm a field golfer. Yeah, no, and that's actually the one thing that I I learned as a kid was, you know, I didn't have range finders when I practiced. I walked everything yeah. off. Well, me but too. But even now to this day, you get me, you know, 80 yards and in, I, you can give me the distance. It doesn't really – getting the distance just confirms that my feel is correct. Yeah. More or less, you know what I mean? Um, I'm still very much a feel player. You know, I, I see the pin and I can feel it in my hands. I'm like, okay, this is – I want a short swing with a lot of spin. I want a slow swing and I'm going to bring it further back kind of thing. And like my dad used to put me back behind a tree as a little kid and just go hit flop shots over this. And I just sit out there with a bucket of shitty golf balls and open up the club face. And it wasn't like a pretty wedge. It wasn't anything special. And I would just sit there and just rip golf balls up over this tree. To this day, I can hit anything high for that reason. But it's like when Rom was doing that, like that flop shot with a four iron, like, no, you don't need to be able to do that, but you don't understand what that's training your hands and training your mind and training your body to do. Yeah. It's teaching you to be more creative, to feel more things, and to be able to uh, analyze things a little bit better. And a little, it, it opens up the golf course so much more when you have that in there. And going back to the speed training, so yes, I do speed training, not out of necessity because I have plenty of it, but it's just one of those things that I am not as young as I used to be. I'm not old by any means, but you know, when you see people like Padraig Harrington having a club head speed of 120 and Mickelson hitting bombs still and everything like that, it makes you think like, you know, if I want to play golf for a very, very long time, speed training is necessary. So that way I don't lose my speed. It's right. one of those things. If you don't use it, you lose it kind of thing. So I do speed training. And honestly, what is, what has really been helping me with, is just my contact and my turf interaction is significantly better. I'm not, I, I can, I know I have more in the tank opposed to going like, man, I really need to juice this eight iron. I'm like, no, my eight iron is going to go plenty far, but now I can juice it. So my seven iron, I can hit it. You know, stock seven iron for me is probably about, let's see, about one, 188 roughly, 185, 188. But I know I can juice the seven iron 210 of 220 if I need to. And that, I'll use that maybe once around, but it's nice to have that in the tank. You know what I mean? Mm. It's nice to know that you can swing up and down on clubs. It just opens up the course. And right. that's the thing is like, 
with golfers like Rom and Tiger and everyone like that. Tiger said it best when they asked him, what shot do you see here? He goes, I see like 30. It's nice when you can look at a golf shot and you can see all of your options going instead of like letting the club dictate the shot. And you're like, oh, I have to hit a seven iron because that's the distance. Like, well, not necessarily. You know what I mean? You could hit a low cutting five iron. Um, you could load up on an eight iron. You know, there's a that video of Tiger hitting a pitching wedge out of the rough, like 180. You know what I mean? And it's there's a reason, but it just opens up the course. It makes you're not looking at the fairway, go, man, I got to hit this fairway, or I'm gonna take a bogey. You're going, well, I'm gonna hit the best shot that I can hit, and I know that I have an arsenal of shots that I can pull from if I need them, instead right. of just basically putting yourself in the corner after one bad shot. Right, 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 right. Yeah, no, valid point. Absolutely. Tangent we weren't expecting to go on, but I really like that we did. Yes, no, 100%. But yes, back to the Masters. Yes, back to the Masters. And I think I think a big reason why Rom is destined to win there, though, is his creativity in a short game, though. I mean, not that I, I don't feel like he maybe needed it as much because he was definitely on this week. Um, but uh, hold on, sorry, I'm putting, I'm, I'm letting everyone know we're live tonight. Sorry. No, you're okay, good. Done, done, done. But uh, he was definitely on tonight. So one of the things I found really interesting is like, yes, Kepka was in the hunt and I got some shit to say about that. But uh, <laughs> Rom won the tournament after four putting the first hole. Right. And playing in miserable weather conditions after Kepka had already gotten through for the day. So Kepka played two days in good weather. Yeah. Rom did not. You know no. what I mean? So that says a lot. And also, I just got to get it out there. I don't think, you know, Kepka three years ago, I don't think he would have given up a 54-hole lead to save his life. He would yeah. have done it. Liv ruined him. I'm not saying it is an, it's, an, it's a permanent thing. I'm not saying it's an indefinite thing. But him kind of saying that, you know, if I was healthy, it would have made my decision tougher. Then he comes back this week and he competes in a major. If there's anybody that has buyer's remorse, it is definitely him. Yeah. Um. And, you know, I'm not going to lie. I'm not a big Kepka fan because I think he is a bit of a doucher. But I will say this. He's not afraid to say what's on his mind. And he's, he's, he's very blunt and honest, which I respect it. I don't always like what he has to say. But at least I can. I feel like he's he means what he says. You know what I mean? There's no bullshit with him. Yeah. Um, then having live guys, I think three live guys in the top five. Phil putting on a hell of a show. Um, oh, which I will give him mad props on that, even though I'm not a, a Phil guy whatsoever. Um, and I realized I'm in the minority in this this week at work. I was like, oh, someone's like, I didn't know PJR was was capable of hate. I'm like, man, like just yeah, I know. I see you smirking over there, man. I don't. I just. I think he's phony. I think he's fake. I think yeah. he's getting sued left and right. And I think he needs the money. And I he does it all under the the guise of altruism and growing the game. He's Norman 2.0 to me. Like, I'm not saying he's not good with fans and everything like that. I'm saying as a, as his character outside of when the cameras aren't on him, I'm not convinced. I mean, his nickname on tour for years was Phony Phil. Like, you don't get a nickname like that unless maybe you're a bit of a prick. So, yeah. but he has game, and I'm, I'm happy to see him play well. Now, do I think he's going to go and shoot a 78 in the live event? Absolutely. I really think he will. I think he geared it up for the Masters. Um him not saying much at dinner, I think, can go one of two ways. It could go, oh, I'm going to let my golf game do the talking, which is rare for Phil because he doesn't know how to shut his mouth. 
Um, he, Liv could have had a tight leash on him going, don't you dare say anything freaking stupid. <laughs> like, there's very real possibility. Um, or, you know, I learned this about Phil. This, he's a psychology major at Arizona State. Yeah. And I read a really creepy story about him, how when he was trying to woo his wife, Amy, he would take her to go watch uh, suspense movies. Like, really suspense. Well, not horror movies, suspense movies. You know, you get real tense, real tense. You're kind of stressed out. And what he would do on purpose is whenever um, you get this endorphin, it's like arousal and stress are very similar, if not the same right. kind of reaction in your brain. So whenever she was experiencing these suspense, suspense moments and this tension, he would go and rub her hand. Mm. But what would happen is all this suspense and everything that she was feeling would all of a sudden get transferred over to him as attraction. Yeah. What I'm getting at here is I think he's a very, very manipulative human being. And I don't think anything he does is without – he's playing chess. I think every move he makes is calculated. I think he knew he was going to go to the Masters and not going to say anything. And that was going to be more of a headline than him possibly saying anything at all. Yeah. I think it was all calculated. And I, Phil has a very weird way of always making it about him. And this time he did it without having to say anything. Mm -hmm. That's my personal opinion. I realize I'm a minority of people here. And everyone's like, no, Phil's such a great guy that I'm, I'm not saying he's not. I'm not saying he doesn't love his family. I'm not saying he's not great to his fans. He absolutely has been. I just think he's a little bit. I think he's conning people. I don't think it's as uh, as sincere as everyone thinks it is. But I'm happy that he played well. And you could tell he wanted it when he was hitting those golf shots. Like, he was in it. But yeah. I love seeing that grit. And I love seeing that grind. You know what I mean? Like, that's why I watch golf. Like, that's not something you'll get in a live event. But, um, you know, I'd like to see Phil compete more I, I, in the majors and everything like that. Um, there was a moment I was worried Rom was going to – when he had, like, that two-stroke lead. I'm like, man, you're one bad hole from bringing Phil right back into this. And if Phil wins the cream jacket – Holy shit, we're never going to hear the end of that. We're one. off to the like, race. It's not that I – yeah, it's not like I didn't want him to win, but I just didn't want to deal with everything that everyone had to say if he did win. Right. That being said, what happened this week was amazing for golf, having the live guys in contention. It, what it did for golf this week was absolutely phenomenal. And I honestly – I haven't watched really much of any live event. It seemed like the guys enjoyed being at Augusta and that atmosphere more than they enjoy being at a live event. Yeah. I mean, so a lot to, I guess a lot to respond to or, or react to there. Um, I mean, I don't, <laughs> I don't know how you couldn't be more excited to be at Augusta than any event, honestly, um, you know, live or not like you have to be more pumped and just more juiced to be at Augusta. I mean, I was more juiced watching it on TV, so I can't imagine what it's like being there. Um, yeah, I mean, I know we, you and I have talked about this at, at, at great length. I don't disagree with anything that you're saying about Phil Mickelson. Like, I've read the books. I've read the articles. I know exactly. There's something about him that you just, you, for some reason, I have a soft spot for. I don't know why. Uh, you know, I mean, obviously, I've grown up watching him. And... Uh, and obviously Tiger's always going to be my number one. And I, I don't know how close those guys are, you know, forever they hated each other. So it was like cool to not like Phil Mickelson if you are a Tiger guy. And maybe it is just respect. Like I hope at 52 years old, I could even be like a, sh like a shaving of what he could do with a golf ball. I mean, just to finish mm -hmm. the masters in second place at 52 years old and really only being a couple swings away from winning the thing. You know, if Rom doesn't have a good day, he's right there. 
Uh, it's just wild. I mean, shoot 65 on the last day. Um, that's a move, yeah. man. I mean, good for move. you, Phil. That's good for you. Too. That's, that's experience, yeah. man. That's sure. in the course. He's been there a million times, same pins. Sure. He knows what to do out there. You know what I mean? If you're watching his shots too that day, you could tell he knew what he was doing. He was going at, he was hitting spots of the greens that other people were not hitting. And right. for good reason, because he, he knows. And it, yeah. that's the cool thing about watching the Masters on Sunday is if you've watched enough of it, you know where they need to be going, where they don't need to be going. Right. And you can watch people like Tiger and Phil and all these people that have played. I mean, look at Fred Couples making the cut and doing what he did, which was freaking awesome. That but, was I mean, awesome. they know where to hit the ball, where not to hit the ball. And you're watching them hit these shots, and you're like, once it hits, lands on a certain part of the green, you're like, nope. <laughs> you're like, right. You're, that's cool. you're yeah. not getting out yeah. of it. Man. Like, there's the stroke. There's this. You just lost a stroke. There goes your lead on that shot. I don't even need to see you hit the putt. It's not happening. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, I do for sure. Um, I totally agree with you. And yeah, I don't know. I kind of lost my train of thought, but um, I'm I'm with you. I also can't. I just can't stand Brooks Kepka. His whole attitude of it's it's just fo- he's phony to me in so many ways. You know, like if this whole attitude of I don't really like golf. You know, like I could, I'd rather watch any other sport. I'm just here because, you know, I'm good at it, but I don't really like golf. It's like, well, bullshit, because when you first started, you like moved over to like, you know, overseas to play on this, like, you know, on the Asian tour because you wanted to make it. And so it's just like, don't like you love golf, but and then you act too cool for golf at the same time. Mm-hmm. And I can't stand that kind of like, I'm so gifted that I'm just going to be like, too cool for the thing that I do and just be like, I'd rather do something else, but I'm just good at golf. So I got to be here. It's like, no, 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 no. I I can't take, I can't take that. Um, You heard what he said about wanting to shorten up golf events too. And he's like, Oh, like holes, like eight through 13. I just black out. It's like boring. It's just repetitive at that point. He's like, it was up to me. Golf would be like 14 holes. I'm just like, shut the hell up. Like, yeah, stuff like that. Well, it's just like clearly that's not how you really believe it because then you like bust your tail to be ready for the masters or you move overseas yeah. to try to make a living at this. So it's just it's like, just, yeah, just be, just be who you are. Like, I feel like Brooks could be a cool guy or a likable guy if he would just actually be who he really is, but he puts on this front in front of people, just like almost like a, like an insecure kid you knew in high school. I was that kid for sure who was just like, I didn't think anybody liked who I was. So I, you know, lied or said things that weren't true. That's exactly what I see him doing. Like, you're just saying things that are not actually a representation of who you are. You know, Mm -hmm. I mean, like you can see it on the documentary, like look at him versus Scotty Scheffler, just like the massive Jupiter house, all the bling, all of like the unnecessary pageantry that goes into like his part of it. And some of that can be editing and Netflix decisions and, and all of that. So that might not all be That's on fair. Brooks, but um, like, you know, the dichotomy of him versus Scotty Scheffler and just Scotty just like, you know, is this the exact opposite. And I'm not saying everybody should be a, a robot and Brooks should be like Scotty or anything like that. But there just seems like just to be a, yeah, there's more intentionality and vulnerability and authenticity with Scotty than there is with Brooks. And that's what drives me crazy. However, having said all that, the drama of having Brooks at the top for so long was so good. 
and you just didn't know yeah. what was going to happen. And you're like, is this guy really going to win this tournament after basically kind of calling his shot on full swing and saying like, I know who's going to win it this year. And then he was going to win it. And um, yeah, well, I mean, it would have been crazy. Did you see the whole like meme of Rom saying like, oh, Kepka says he doesn't remember who won last year's mem- Masters, but he'll remember who won this year? Yeah. Like, you're not going to forget that one, homie. But Kepka, you know, I will say this, like, as much as he's a douchebag, like, he carried himself well, the way he congratulated Rom. You know, there was some, there seemed to be a little bit more life there to him than than in the past. And I think it was partially the high of competing in a major again and competing with high-level golfers. And he even came out before the event. He was like, I'm looking forward to teeing it up against Rory and Scotty and all these guys. Like, so I think there is, (coughs) there is an element of a, (coughs) what the hell? There's an element of um, he misses – you can't – you know, someone like Kepka who thrives on playing in majors and playing against the best in the world, because I'm sorry, the live guys aren't the best in the world. It is not the most competitive at, uh, league out there. They can say that to their blue in the face. It's bullshit. Right. We all know it. When you have Charles Schwartzel winning $4 million, it is not as competitive as it is on the PGA Tour. Nothing against Charles Schwartzel, but you have – like a handful, like not even a handful of golfers over there that are decent, but that's not the point. But he seemed to have a little bit of life in him. Like, man, I, you could tell he freaking missed it. You know what I mean? Mm. Like you could tell that he missed it. Yeah. So it's curious. I mean, interesting to see what's going to happen going forward, because I think, are they taking, uh, uh, there's something with the, where the world golf rankings with majors and everything is going to be changing as well. It sounds like they're trying to drown these live guys out of the majors. Yeah. Yeah, no, I I think you're right. I think, I don't know. I mean, I I go back and forth. I've talked about this before. I mean, you know, like you read one thing and I can be very swayed very easily to be like, and then I read another thing. I'm like, oh, that kind of makes sense. You know, I I can't remember who said it, but I don't remember. I can't remember who said it, but uh, you know, a lot of people were just like, we're excited to see each other. This one of the players is like, we're actually excited to see each other. It's not a big deal to us. Mm-hmm. It's really just the media. They're the only ones who care or making it a big deal. Like, we're all excited. There's no real, like, bad blood. Like, nobody here hates anybody else. Um, and so, I I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it seems so much less hostile than we all kind of, like, made it out to be or anticipated it to be. And, uh, you know, same thing with the champions dinner. Like I was listening to some podcasts and like, there was like honest debates going on of like, is somebody going to lip off? Is somebody going to shove somebody? And it was just like, none of that happened. No. Um, I think so, the only people that from live that really left bad taste was someone like Sergio, like, you know, cause apparently Sergio is just, he runs hot. Um, you know, he kind of lashed out at roars at roars a little bit. And then obviously Norman and also let me just bitch about Norman for a moment here. Okay. Him going, Oh, I didn't get invited to the masters again. I'm like, bro, they invited you every year, but you only showed up like twice. And now you're throwing a bitch fit. Cause you didn't get it. You didn't get invited. Right. Like seriously. And the reason why they didn't invite you is, is very, very clear. You're walking contention. You are just yeah. walking drama and stress you will be there you will not be representing the pga tour you will not be friendly you will get your jabs in 
and you will sound hostile the entire time because that's how you sound in every single tweet, every single message, every single interview. It sounds like a threat from that dude. So why yeah. would you invite him? So he can right. suck it. Get out of here, man. Yeah. Um, but I think someone like Sergio, who you know says some really rude shit to Rory, apparently. I think, yeah, maybe there, they, there are some bridges that were burned there. You know what I mean? Who started what? I don't know. If you put Rory and Sergio in a room together, I have a feeling Rory would carry himself better than Sergio, though. So just my take on it. Sergio gets mad at a footprint in a bunker or the rough being too thick. He just a crybaby, <laughs> which Liv is kind of the crybaby to her. I mean, you have Patrick Reed, crybaby. DeChambeau, crybaby. Phil Mickelson's a bit of a crybaby. Norman crybaby like it's just all the people that whine and cried and they're basically the kids that whine and cried and didn't get what they wanted so they're like we're gonna go do our own thing like please go for it like get out of here (laughs) yeah no I mean that you're not wrong you're not wrong for sure what do you think I'm gonna change gears a little bit um what do you think about you know so going into the masters it was basically the talk of the big three Scotty Rory Rom big three um mm-hmm. now obviously with rory's like massive disappointment you know like missing the cut by uh, several strokes you know like he was never even in it he was never in the conversation from the get-go uh you know i mean i know scotty well, after, after, after day one rory was like three over par and he finished the day even par which kind of brought him back to the conversation then he just went and screwed up the next day yeah for rory though i will say this this reminds me of royal port rush i think augusta is in his head at this point he's putting too much pressure on himself and he's not going out there and doing what he does best he can play well out there he has played well out there i think he puts too much pressure on himself and that is what causes him to not perform he doesn't go out there and play freely when he's playing freely he plays better when he puts pressure on himself he does not play well don't understand why because he is arguably the greatest golf swing ever to have ever existed you know what i mean so i think i think he did that to himself it wasn't augusta it wasn't anybody he defeated himself before he even get before he even teed off he had already beaten himself up yeah is do we still put him in the i mean like is he even still in the number one player in the world conversation right now or is he got to kind of earn that back you know misses a massive missed cut at the master or at the players championship massive missed cut at the masters is it hard to call him the best player in the world or put him in the conversation when he's missed the cut at the two biggest tournaments so far this year? That's so tough. And it, it, cause everybody measures it differently. Uh, some people measure it by majors and like, for example, like John Rahm at the beginning of the year, he didn't, he wasn't outside the top 10 in something like 12 events in a row. It was something stupid. And he finally climbed up to number one, but he, had, then he finally went on the tear of winning two or three. And then he was number one in the world. Some people will weigh out by majors. How consistently are you in the top five? Like, look at Luke Donald and Lee Westwood when they were number one in the world and never won a major. Could you say they were the best golfer in the world at the time necessarily when they're not rattling off majors? That's an interesting conversation to have. Um, So right now, and I say this as a Rory fan, until he can go out there and rattle off another major, not a tour championship, a major, I'm. it's getting harder and harder for me to defend him. It really yeah. is. Yeah. Um, Cause you have guys like Scheffler. I mean, or even the players, if you go out and win the, I, I think the players is as hard as any major. Yeah. Um, the players is almost like Augusta to me. You have to know the course. You need to know the spots. Um, if the wind's blowing, Oh my God, it is just a miserable time out there. 
Um, it's just one of those things, though, if you're not winning one of those five events and players or a major on somewhat of a regular basis, can you be considered one of the best golfers in the world? I mean, yes, he is statistically. He, um, he's always in the conversation. But I think you need to win a major, man. I hate to say it, too, because he's my number one dude. But until yeah. he starts winning majors again, I, you know, Rory, yeah, you have so many wins. You've done all these great things in golf. The only thing missing from your resume right now is more majors. Right. That's the only thing you're missing. And until you start doing that, it's going to be really hard to have him in that conversation. And especially when you have Ramos, Scheffler, it seems like they're battling for every single major right now. Right. right. Um. So, and it's, and Rory's not sniffing it. He might, you know, if it's like a elevated event or designated event, maybe, he, yeah, he's in the conversation, which arguably are going against the best golfers in the world again, and he is beating them, but there's something about being in a major and that's what defines your career that he is lacking. Will he be a world golf hall of famer? Absolutely. Has he changed the game? Yes, absolutely. But right now do needs to win majors. He, he uh, until you start going out there or, you, you know, going a winning streak of like three or four tournaments, he needs to do something that separates him from everyone else. And he's not doing that. And I think that's the key. I just, I just came up with it. He's not doing anything to separate himself from anyone else. He's hanging in with the top golfers based off of top five T threes, T tens, all of these things, but he's not separating himself from the pack because he's not winning. And he's definitely not winning majors or the important events. And that's where Rahm and Scheffler are always part of the conversations. They're going out there winning the events that they need to win so that you can remember them and their name is being carved into the earth. You know what I mean? Rory is kind of dwindling away on that. And I think Rory still has plenty of time. If Padre can swing 120 at age 50, I think Rory will be just fine. Um, but uh, I don't want to say he's running out of time, but it seems like what what is he waiting for? <laughs> you know, like what's like what's holding him back? You know what I mean? So I think it's between Rahm and Scheffler right now, just because they're the ones rattling off majors and wins left and right where no one else is. Yeah, no, um, I totally agree. I don't think, uh, sorry. I don't think that you can, I think he's, yeah, I think he's out of the conversation. Um, you know, and I, and I wonder, and I love Rory. So I know it sounds like we're shitting on him and we're not, you know, he's still ranked third in the world. Um, but there's just something about it that, oh man, this is going to sound really bad. I don't mean it to sound as bad, but I wonder, I wonder if his name comes up in the conversation more because he's been the face of the PGA tour through this whole live thing. You know, like now that we look back on, I mean, he's still a great golfer. Don't get me wrong. And he is still winning. He's still winning tournaments. So that's not what I'm saying. My only thing is, yeah, he's he just it's exactly what you're saying. Like he's not separating himself. Um, and had he not been the face of this thing, you know, I wonder if he's even as prevalent in the conversation he is now. And again, maybe he is, maybe he's not. I'm not saying yes or no. I think it's just an interesting take that you know, like that presence kind of keeps him in the forefront of all of our minds as the best and he's certainly earned you know he was what number one there for a while too and he's still plays a fair amount of events so all of that's great um but yeah i just think there's a clear now there's like a you know it was the it was the big three and then it was kind of everybody else and now i feel like it's the big two and everybody else and everybody else is kind of playing for yeah. third at this point um 
So I, yeah, I see your point. I don't necessarily agree with him because I feel like Rory's always part of the conversation. Yeah. It's also banger bust with him. Either he misses the cut. And the thing about Rory though, is he can go out and, you know, shoot an opening round 76 and then go out and shoot 63 the next day. Yeah. Um, what makes Rory so special is that he can just go out there and just do things that nobody else can do. Um, mm. And he's always in the conversation. He's always in the events. He's always competing. You know, he's never, he had one kind of a lull there for a few months, like a couple of years ago, but like, even then, and I mean, that's when he didn't even win a point for the, his team in the Ryder cup. And that was yeah. like the catalyst for growth from, he just went off after that. So, I mean, He's always part of the conversation. He's always playing good golf. I mean, he's, I mean, he's obviously playing better than you know the other hundred. Say we're say we're talking top one hundred and fifty in the world. He's consistently playing better golf than the other one hundred forty-seven golfers in the world. Yeah, or one hundred forty-six okay. golfers in the world. Um, I think that's why. You know what I mean? I, I think. But as far as a dominant number one force in golf, no. Well, I give him top three all day, absolutely. But as being part of the top two until he starts winning majors or starts doing something special, him choking at St. Andrews was not impressive. Uh, I think that was him putting pressure on himself again. He just hasn't been able to close that door in a while. And it's the longer it takes, the more it's going to get in his head. So yeah. is he well, part of the top two conversation? No. Um, top three, absolutely. I can't think of a single golfer that's consistently better than him other than Scheffler and Rom. I mean, even JT. JT, is yeah. not, in my opinion, he'll go out there and win a major, which is great. But JT, I, I I honestly don't know why he doesn't win more. I well, it's his putter. I'm gonna tell you why. His putting is is the least desirable part of his game. But like you look at people like JT or even Colin Morikawa or uh, Spieth. I mean, these guys are in it week in week out. But they're not. You know, someone like JT just completely eludes me in the fact that I don't know how he's not winning more. You know what I mean? Yeah. He's kind of like Rory to me. Like you have the entire skill set. The putter can be less <clears throat> less than desired sometimes, but you're not winning more. Like your skill set is arguably better than everybody else's. You know what yeah. I mean? Well, it just goes. I mean, I so, think it goes to. I think it, it it talks to your point or the point that we've talked about earlier is just like your skill set can be great, but you still need that extra thing and whatever that thing is. If it's yeah. feel, if it's creativity, if it's just you know the tiger, like no one's gonna beat me. And I think that's Roy's problem. Like sometimes he's too nice. Um, he doesn't have that tiger mentality of like. It goes both ways. It's either too intense yeah. or he's too nice. Well, he, no I mean, balance. you know, yeah. There's just not a consistency. I guess is a better word for it. Um, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if Cam Smith. I think had not gone to live, he may be in the top three conversation more than Rory just for how consistently he was playing before he yep. made that move. I mean, like players championship, open championship wins kind of a similar that like Scheffler um, dude was, Did you see that shot. Did you see that shot? Cam Smith had all that hit all that freaking fairway bunker with the fairway yeah, wood. Unbelievable. That was stupid. Unbelievable. That was unreal. Maybe the best it's shot of the entire I, tournament. What's oh, easily, easily yeah. the best shot of the tournament. Yeah. But Cam Smith's one of those people, I do agree with you, but we never got to see what he could really do. Like, know, he's like, we, we got him at the apex. We're like, all right, man, let's go. And he's like, nah, I'm going to go over here. Like, why? Like, so much potential. And also for Australia, let's keep in mind, Adam Scott's the only per Australian to ever win at Augusta. Yeah. Cameron Smith could be the second. Cameron Smith could potentially do a career grand slam. Like, there's so much there for the dude. Right. Like, 
PGA Tour wins, legacy, all these things. And like for the other live guys, I get it because they didn't have that and they weren't going to have that. Cam Smith is young and could have that, yeah. and he didn't. Why would you not? You're you're making like I don't. You're making enough money. You don't have a family. You're like I, like. like there's, I saw no incentive for him to go other than money, but even then you make plenty enough over here and you yeah. get to be a representation for the country of Australia, which is amazing because they need more of a representation on the PGA tour, but you punked out, went to live like, like, and I like Cam Smith, but that left a bad taste in my mouth. I'm like, you fucked up, man. Like, just, yeah. like there's no other word for it. You, you messed right. up. And he's number five in the world still. And he moved up one yeah, spot. He was six. Now he's five. So, yep. I mean, he's the only live guy who's really kind of hanging around. And he just, from a consistency standpoint, I think he could be in the conversation because he was third at the end of last year before he left. Um, so, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, I think that's the one guy that I'm like, man, we're kind of, I feel like he's wasting. I mean, again, I don't know what his, I don't know what his reasoning was. And he says he's happy, but if there is one guy that I could like pluck out and just feel like, man, that's kind of a waste having you over there when you could be here playing in all these cool events and we could really kind of see you as a, he could just be a player that like, you know, is in the conversation. I think that would be fun, but I mean, that's, Oh yeah. We could talk about that too. But like we were saying, yeah. But like we were saying though, too, Rory isn't doing anything to separate himself from everybody else. Yeah. I mean, even Rom, when he went before he won the masters, he ripped off like two, two wins. You know what I mean? Scheffler, you know, winning the players, like there's always something in their seasons that separate them from everyone else. That reminds them. That reminds everybody else, I should say. There's always yeah. something that Rom or Scheffler does every season that reminds everyone else why there are consistent, dominant presidents in golf. Where mm-hmm. Rory is lacking that. And he's not doing anything. So, yeah, he could go out and win the RBC, which he, we'll get to that in a second. And he can go out there and you know, shoot incredibly low scores and walk away with the tournament. And that is amazing. Don't get me wrong. Like, when he yeah. wins, he freaking wins. But, like... You're not doing it in a in events that are separating you from everybody else. You know what I mean? The, that's the difference. And I mean, it's such a small difference because I would kill to have Rory's career. Like, I'm not shitting on the dude. Sure. But like, if we're, we're going to discuss Rom, Scheffler, and Rory, that's the thing. Rory is not doing anything to separate himself from anyone else at the moment. And I say that with all the love in the world for the dude. And he's, the, in my opinion, still has the best swing on tour. And arguably when he is on, I don't think Rom or Scheffler could beat him. Um, if Rory is playing like Rory golf, there's nothing that Rory can't do. You know what I mean? Like yeah. he hits the ball further. He can shape the ball better. He's great around the greens. And when that putter is even halfway working, it is phenomenal. You know what I mean? If he's making everything five feet and in, he's gone. You're not going to catch him. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, I I agree. There's just something that, like you said, what is he waiting for? I mean, like, here's his last six tournaments. Last finishing position was miscut at the Masters. Third at the match play. Miscut at the Players. Tied to at the Arnold Palmer Invitational. T29 at the Genesis Invitational. T32 at the uh, Waste Management. But then he started the season winning the, the Dubai Desert Classic. So it's just like... He had a great end of the last, you know, like fourth of the DP World Tour Championship at the end of the year. He likes to win the CJ Cup for some reason. Um, I mean, he, he's had a great. He plays well. And plays really well. Yeah, he plays like like you know like a Bay Hill. He plays Bay Hill well. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I think also I think something else is going on with Rory. And he I think he touched on this in a press conference was that 
you know, he has taken on more responsibility with the PGA tour. And I think that has had a negative impact on his game. Um, yeah. because he's not hundred percent focused on golf or Rom and Scheffler. They're very, yeah, I'm here, but I'm a golfer. Like I'm going to leave all the politicking up to you guys. Like, I just want to come out of your golf and win tournaments where Rory is more involved with the PGA tour. And I think that takes time away from it. Um, and sure. I think that it, that's as a golfer at an, at an elite level, I mean, just at an amateur level, I can speak on this myself. If I'm going out and trying to play an event, but I have a million effing things in my mind and all this stress, I got to worry about this. I got to worry about running into so-and-so and this and this and that all of a sudden you're, you're not a hundred percent in every shot. Like you should be, where I think like right. Rom and Scheffler, they're a hundred percent in it. And every single shot, I think Rory has a lot of noise in the background that he needs to, I think Rory's at a crossroads now where he has been the poster boy for the PGA tour. I think he needs to take a step back from it and just focus on being a golfer again. I think he needs to focus on going out and winning again. And that being the only priority for him. And I think if he did that, then we would get more, we would see better results from him. I think, I mean, that's just my opinion on it, but I, I can't help but think that is a major factor. But him backing out of this tournament this week, and I'm sorry, again, saying it as a Rory fan, was a punk move. That mm-hmm. was terrible. And Rom even said it because they even asked him, like, why are you playing in this event? He's like, one, I committed to it. And two, it's for the fans. I'm pretty sure the fans want to see the Masters champion there, which is kind of a humble brag, which I respect the hell out of. But Rory not showing up for that. I'm like, dude, no, you missed the cut. We said this, you said this earlier tonight. You missed the cut. You had more days to rest. And apparently him and JT went out and played golf on Sunday, and he shot like a 64. So like, what the, what the hell, dude? Like, get back on the horse, get out there, and show why you should be part of this conversation. Don't back out and take a couple of weeks off. Go out there and beat Rom. Go out there and beat yeah. Rom at the RBC. Then all of a sudden we're like, well, Rom just won the Masters and Scheffler is doing this. Rory missed the cut, but he came back firing, like came back punching again. Like, why would you not do that? At least my yeah. mentality is like, I need to beat them. Like, I you couldn't get me out there fast enough to try to prove why I should be part of that conversation. Right. No, I, I agree. I think it's a, I mean, I think it's a misstep, you know, and and it's a great segue into the RBC heritage. Um, I think it's a misstep for him to take it off. It's a designated event. And, you know, like that was the whole promise, right. We were given about these designated events is that guys are going to be there. You you know, Um, we had to see the best in the world, tee it up at these events and I guess I'm a little confused because I know I was under the impression that you had to be, that they had to be playing in these events. I thought, I didn't know they had the choice to with like decommit or withdraw. So I guess I need to do some more research on how that works because JT didn't go, didn't play in the match play. And I don't think he's playing this week either. Um, JT's playing this week. He is. I'm pretty sure, is he? I thought so. Oh yeah, he is. Um, okay, yeah, you're right. He is. Yeah. So, um, I think we might have like a one out kind of thing. Like, a, I'm not going to play in this kind of event. Um, also, I think I wouldn't be surprised if Rory maybe gets a little bit of special treatment. He is Rory McIlroy kind of thing. Yeah, but I'm just saying, like, if if you have a designated event and the whole point is for the top players in the world to play in these events, then play in them and take another week off. You know, like. Yeah, JT being exactly. like, well, I don't really like an Austin Country Club. Well, tough shit. Like, you're a professional golfer, and this is a professional golf tournament, so you need to play in the golf tournament because it's a designated event. Yeah. Like, I don't care that you don't like the course. Like, you're supposed – that's <laughs> – since when do we get to make that excuse? Is like, can I, I can't do that at my job. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, 
We don't get to do that. You can't just be like, well, I don't, I don't really like this shift. Like, well, too fucking bad. Like, this is the shift that you have to work. Yeah, you're on. Pardon my yeah. language. I usually don't get that uh, worked up, but I just yeah, like yeah. cannot stand. That's one of my, it's a pet peeve of mine. It was a pet peeve of mine too. When I was a baseball guy, you'd watch baseball and these guys are like, you know, on the disabled list for like, like I, yeah, my hamstring hurts too. I went out and played baseball. Like you just got to play, you know, like it's one yeah. thing if you're like, I have to go in and have surgery. Like there's an actual like injury where I cannot move. I get that. But like, Oh, uh, we're shutting them down. This is a scheduled day of rest. Like you get paid millions of dollars to play a sport. There is no scheduled rest. Like go out and play. Um, I, that kind of injury can't stand it. Sorry. No, I agree with you. But speaking of injuries, uh, sad to see Zalatoris out, but I'm happy that he's getting the help that he needs to be getting so he can come back 100% instead of potentially hurting himself much further down the road and completely maybe ruining his career. Um. So wish him the best. He, I, I, he already had surgery, and apparently he's already started to see improvement that he didn't even see when he was trying to improve uh, earlier in the year. So that's that's awesome. Yeah. Um, I want Zalatoris to be part of the conversation so bad because I too. love the kid. Um, so that's unfortunate. One more thing before we go into our RBC Heritage picks here. What do you think about Cantlay's slow play? I've always thought he was a slow as shit golfer. Yeah. He's painful for me to watch. I'm going to be honest with you. I, I – like, I get it, million dollars on the line. I understand why they do these things, but dude is slow. Yeah, I mean, I, again, this is another thing, and I think you and I have talked about this before, too, is just, like, I grew up playing, like, my dad was like, play ready golf. Like, there's nothing about not being ready to play that should make you a worse golf. You know, like, there's nothing about going fast that should make you a, a worse golfer. You don't have to go quick to play fast, is what I was always taught. Like, you don't have to be outside yourself. Just be ready to go. So, like, when you get to your shot, be ready to hit the shot. Um, the thing that drives me crazy about Candelay's slow play is that everybody else seems to be able to get through the course. So why are you so slow? It would be one thing if it was like, well, there's 80 guys out here and 40 of them play pretty slow. Like, it's just kind of a thing. Yeah, but that's not the case. It's one dude or two dudes who are known for this like slow play, and I'm like, I don't, I don't know. Again, I know everybody has their way of doing it, and clearly he's a better golfer than me. So who am I to say that he should speed up? But it's it seems clear to me it's why Hovland had such an off day is he couldn't get into any rhythm because Candlelight plays oh, so slow. Yeah, that could have really had it. I don't know about that. I, I you're not wrong. I didn't consider that, but that's a good point. I just think that they, you got to be able to play faster. Like you got to be able to yeah. play faster. For me, that kind of falls on the caddy. The caddy's up there. Caddy, get your ass up there. Get to the ball. Get the distance. Get the win. Get the lie for me. When I walk up to that golf ball, I want to be able to go like kind of like what Kepka does. What what is it? What is the yardage that I'm playing here? Let's have a short conversation. Make sure we agree on it, and then because I want you to recap. Okay. Um, flat lot, flat distance is 180 into the wind, probably playing about 183, 184, um, playing slightly downhill takes it down to 181. You're going against the grain. So let's add another yard or two to it. So I got a total yardage of 183 yards. You don't want to miss here. This is the shot shape. Boom, go. Like it's not, I mean, and obviously, like you said, these guys are better than us. So maybe there's more to it than we're missing, but I feel like there's plenty of a golfer, plenty of golfers that have accomplished more than Cantlay that have played much faster. Therefore, that means it's possible to play great golf at a faster speed. So right. you need to figure it out. 
Yeah, you got to figure it out. I don't know if it's him. I don't know if it's Caddy. I don't know if it's both. Yeah, you have to figure it out. You need to shave time. It's like an episode of Seinfeld when Kramer was taking like two hour showers and he couldn't figure out how to shave time off in the shower. Okay, maybe that's just me. Okay, well, I've seen (laughs) the episode. Um, Anyways. No, no, no. I mean, hilarious episode, but like back to the honestly conversation is just like the answer to that. And this is what I hate about. You know, the slow play conversation comes up on the PGA Tour and, like, guys get put on the clock, but nobody ever gets penalized. Mm-hmm. Set an example. Penalize Canelay in a yep. major, and I guarantee he hustles his ass next time. Yeah. Like, yeah, penalize him. what you want to say. Penalize Actually, him. I was watching I was watching collegiate golf today, and a kid got penalized for slow play, and the next hole he almost got a hole in one. <laughs> right, because it fires you up. Like, get going. Yep. Like, you're a perf- I don't yep. get that. No, I don't either. I I mean, I I don't know. For me, like I've I've fallen into playing a little slower, and that's more like me just trying to find a groove in a pre-shot routine. But I'm still faster than ninety percent of golfers. But also, I'm playing with guys that are shooting in like mid eighties that are just going up there and they're hitting seven iron for like every shot. Anyways, they're not thinking about it like I am. So compared to them, I'm always going to be slower. But you know, in tournament golf, probably not that slow. Well, it's one thing to think about it, and it's another thing just to be a slow player. Like, you can be methodical. I'm not saying you have to run up there and, like, you know, like one arm swing it as you're driving by in the cart. I mean, I'm a very fast (laughs) player. I I like to think I'm a pretty fast player. And I could probably do with a little bit more thought through before I pull the trigger. Um, But I'm also not a bad golfer. Like, I can go fire, you know, like I've shot under par on my nine-hole course in under two hours. Or, you know, at an hour. I've gotten around in a golf cart in 60 minutes and shot fine. And, I mean, like, it's possible. I shot a 31 in an hour. I shot a 31 in an hour and a half. That's what I'm saying. So, exactly right. So, I mean, like, I don't know. I only hit it the ball. They just have to figure out a way for golf to be quicker. If you want to grow the game, you're not going to convince people to be out there for five and six hours. I don't mind. I could be out there all day. I could care less. I don't even I do not mind if a round goes five hours because I love being on the golf course. So it's not a deterrent for me. But what is a deterrent for me when it's like I have to wait on every shot and I can't get into any sort of groove. So it's like when I'm spending twenty five minutes on a hole and there's only like my activity is only like two minutes of that, that can get draining. And I think that's what got I mean, I think that's what gets draining for like, you know, Rob and Brooks have to wait every time. Yep. It doesn't make any sense. Like you can play fast. You just can't. You can play faster. I don't. There's no excuse to me. So, anyways, no, I totally agree with you. Hundred So, <laughs> RBC Heritage, you got. Yeah. I kind of changed my pick here at the last second, but I have two picks. I'm, I'm gonna so give two picks. this pick. So my pick is purely emotional, and uh, it's really <laughs> just based on one moment from last week when I saw. So my pick is uh, Sahith Thagala. Um, nice. And it's strictly because I got so excited for him on that chip in at 16, like the tiger S almost even cooler. If I dare say so, I think it was cool. Tigers. Yeah. Um, it was just an amazing shot and I just got fired up for him and he played so well, uh, which probably means he's going to miss the cut. Cause it seems like I always pick the guy who play, who's like been playing well and they just like tank it the week that I've picked them for this. So he'll probably miss the cut by five strokes, but I'm going Sahith Thagala because I just think he's playing really well. 
So I have two people I really like. I already mentioned to you, I like Victor Hovland this week. I think he has unfinished business. Um, but I started thinking about it a little bit more. I like Cameron Young. Ooh. Cameron Young, he's due. I think he's ready for that first win. I feel it coming. He's been playing amazing golf. And I, first of all, I just love Cameron Young. I love his golf swing. I, just, I love watching him play. There's very, I mean, I love watching all these guys play. Yeah. I don't find all of them captivating. You know what I mean? Yeah. I love watching him play golf. I don't know why. I don't know if it's just his swing, the way he carries himself. The dude just hits straight bombs. He can hit every shot. Um, his putting is so much better than it was last year. I think going somewhere a little bit flatter on the greens and not as meticulous as Augusta works in his favor. I think I, I like his odds a lot. I, I like his odds more than pretty much everybody else there, to be honest with you. Fair enough. That's a great pick. I like it. I, I see like why. I, I'm, proud, I'm proud of that one. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm proud, I'm I'm proud of you. Speak anymore. Yeah, oh, right? No. So you're picking those guys. Um, I'm tired of picking I'll top five guys never win. I don't know or about dark Yeah, probably. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> probably. This is very possible. Yeah, it is very possible. Um, I don't know about dark horse picks. I've been kind of looking at them. I'll tell you what, I don't, this is not really a dark horse pick because I know there's no chance uh, that they're going to win, but there's been a couple of sponsors exemptions for <clears throat> some senior tour guys. I just get excited about because it reminds me of like watching golf as a teenager. So like Jim Furyk's in the field. Uh, Davis Love the Third is in the field. And Ernie Els is in the field. And I'm just like, what is this like 2000? Am I watching golf in 1999? Like I'm super pumped about it. Um, I'm right there with you. Yeah. And I know like it's not going to make a bit of difference. Like none of those guys are probably even going to compete. But I just want to watch those. I just want to be. I just want to feel like, yeah. I just want to feel like it's 1999 again, and those guys are all in the conversation, trying to chase Tiger down. I feel like Fury could be part of the conversation if the dude just if the dude's on, he's just as good as any of the top five players in the world. Fury is as scary. Good game, man. I yeah. love Fury, man. He made that run of the players a couple years ago. Fury still has it. Like, there's no doubt in my mind. My dark horse isn't really a dark horse, but it's still kind of it's like in the, it's a middle, it's a gray horse. Um, would be uh, would be uh, Tom Kim. Okay, yeah, I love Tom Kim. I love Tom Kim. Yeah, he's a straight ball hitter out there. That's going to do a lot of good things for him. Yeah, I mean he's due at one of these points. We're going to pick Tom Kim, and it's going to happen. Oh I'm going to go with Sepp Straka as my dark horse pick this week. Oh, yeah. I was. I did too. Oh, I, you know, I mean, I, I, he's ranked 33rd in the world, so I don't know how much of a dark horse pick that is. But, you know, I just feel like he's the kind of guy that just comes out of nowhere. And, I mean, I know this is a stacked field now, but he just kind of like pops up at different places. And I feel like this would be a perfect place for him to pop up and make some money and just kind of like get that that tournament that he needs to kind of keep his momentum going. So I'm going to go Sep on the, on the dark horse pick. That's all. I'll, I'm a, I like Sep. I'll, I'll never root against that guy ever. Yeah. No. So hopefully we didn't miss anything. I'm sure we probably missed something with the masters. Oh yeah. Just, we uh, always did. Or an hour. Yeah. No, I know. But I was trying to figure out if we missed anything either. And, you know, we talked to Mickelson, the crazy finish. Yeah. Which I think, 
Yeah. So, all right. Yeah, oh, we, Rose Zang, we're the women's amateur. I forgot. We didn't talk about Rose Zang, did we? I did. Oh, okay. Never mind. We did talk about it. Perfect. <laughs> um, all right. I think the only storyline oh. we missed was the amateur guy, but oh, we'll right. talk about that next week. Yeah, we could. I mean, just an incredibly good gutsy performance from that kid to keep it, you know, in the conversation. The Still entire swagger too. Bogey, bogey free first eighteen. Club twirls. Kid has a sick move at the bottom. You notice? Did you watch his golf swing? He comes, um, brings it in. Then I was almost like Furick, and then he just, man, that that move at the bottom is not like. I tried just bending my body that way, and I'm pretty flexible. It's just it, not happening for me. It's just a young man's move, right? We could have we could have emulated it when we were 19. We could have been like, okay, um, he will not yeah. be able to do that forever because that's just a young person's golf move. You can't do that when you're 35, even if you're in good uh, shape. Yeah, no, for sure. His swing reminds me of Joaquin Neiman's. Yeah, it's very very similar, very very yeah. similar swing. That same little. Yeah. Like almost like he's like a freaking upside down U at impact kind of thing. <laughs> like, yeah. No, it's why his move is wild. I even saw a thing that was like, this golf swing is awesome. Please don't copy it. Um, but I thought that was funny. Yeah. You'll hurt yourself. Right. Yeah. No, <laughs> we can talk more about it in depth for sure, but really gutsy performance. It was fun to watch. I mean, like it was fun to watch. It kind of shows us that college golf really has like, come a place where we may not be far off from seeing an amateur win a major. So. Oh yeah. Yeah. No, for, I was watching collegiate golf today, actually. There's it, it's, these kids are good. It makes me good. feel like an old man, but that's fine. Yeah. yeah well, well, there's a lot that, that feel, everyone that actually watched. Yeah, no shit. <laughs> um, thank you for everyone that actually watched this live tonight. Um, yeah. or just left a comment, whatever that might be. If you did not watch it live and you're listening to it, thank you for listening to it. And again, please like, subscribe, share with everybody, all of those things. We really want to do this for a living, and I want more money. I think that's about it. <laughs> same, same, don't we all? Just, 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 um, just, give me, just give me money. Yeah, exactly right. All right, episode 10, that's it. We'll be back next week with episode 11. Thank you all. Have a good evening. See you later. Deuces.